0: Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com.au. Philippians chapter 1, 12 to 26. so that through my being with you again and your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Uh, our Father,
1: uh, we're so mindful that this is your um, precious word that we come to, and we don't treat it lightly. Uh, but we do ask, Lord, would you grant us um, ears to hear and eyes to see um, and hearts uh, willing and, and ready to obey you. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, there's this uh, old story about Sir Christopher Wren. Uh, he was a world-famous architect uh, who was given this job to help rebuild St. Paul's Cathedral in London after it had been burnt down in the Great Fire of 1666. Uh, well Christopher Wren was kind of tasked the job. He was chief architect and, and it was his role to oversee the rebuild of this big project. and just. To, An incredible honour, and an incredible privilege for everyone involved. And so the story goes, uh, one day Christopher Wren visits the construction site, a little bit like Undercover Boss. Have you ever seen that show? Uh, You know, you go visit the workers on the quiet just to suss out what they're doing and what they're up to and if they're doing the job right. And so that's what Sir Christopher Wren does. And he goes and the first worker he meets, he, he says, hey, what are you up to today? And the fella's just like, I'm cutting stone, what do you think I'm doing? Just, he's had a bad day, a bit, bit cranky, he's got no idea who he's talking to. Uh, then uh, he, he goes to the next fella and, uh, what, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm earning sixpence a day, says the guy, and that was a decent wage back then, earning a living and making waves in the world. And finally, he, he comes to this last guy, and, and same question, he says, what are you working on today? And the fella turns... And just with his great beaming smile, he says, I'm helping Sir Christopher Wren build a great cathedral. Oh, good answer. <laughs> but three very different responses to the same question, right? One fella's just working a job, one fella's earning a living, and another is part of something so much bigger and greater than just himself. A great project for a great cathedral. And a great work that will last and is still standing today. Look, I think that catches something of Paul's attitude as he's writing this letter to the Philippians. That though he's he's locked up, he's in prison, and and he's facing death. Oh, but I'm working for the Lord Jesus Christ, and what a privilege that is to. To be part of something so great and and to be caught up in something that God is doing and and to join in with a work that will last, oh, not even just beyond a lifetime, but for all eternity. And what a joy that is. Well, you just see it all through this letter that that gospel joy just bleeds out of Paul. It's a surprising joy (laughs) because it's not like things are all going great guns for Paul right now. Like... (laughs) He's not in the best of places. And yet, tell me, is he discouraged? Or does he lose heart or lose hope? No, but what are you doing here, Paul? Well, I'm working for the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a blessing and what a privilege that is. And so there's a, there's a word here for you and me this morning. Uh, maybe if you've crossed some dark paths in your journey of faith... Or maybe if you do come here today with a heavy heart or with dwindling hope, well, I just want you to see here's a man who's living fully for Christ, even through trial and affliction and, yes, even death. And so there's three things for us here this morning and and three points that we're going to look at in this passage, and and they are, in times of trial, we trust. And when facing affliction, we rejoice. We rejoice. And then when nearing death, we hope. And so there are three points. Uh, Let's begin with this. In times of trial, we trust. Uh, I'm looking there, and come with me to to verse 12. It says this. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial garden to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. (laughs) how's this? Paul's writing this letter to his dear friends, the Philippians. He's in Rome. He's under house arrest ever before the watchful eye of the Roman garden. What's he doing here? How did he get here? Let me just pull back and, and share a bit of the story of the last couple of years for Paul. This is how it goes. A couple of years back, Paul's coming into Jerusalem and he gets mobbed by a group. They've been trying to do him in for ages. They accuse him of some crime he, he never did. And so he's beaten and he's arrested and they put him in prison. And he's kept in this prison in Caesarea for about two years. Just just sitting there. He never gets a fair hearing. And, and the authorities, they don't care about justice. They just play politics with Paul. And so Paul appeals to Caesar. And so they stick him in a boat and they ship him off to Rome. <laughs> and so, well, great. M- maybe things are going to uh, turn around here. Paul, you're a Roman citizen. You've got, you've got privilege there. And he's going to Rome. Well... <laughs> No, because his boat gets caught in a massive storm, it almost shipwrecks the thing, they, they come aground, they lose all their food and their water, and are we going to starve here, and, and are we going to drown? And just by the sheer mercy of God, finally Paul winds up in Rome. And now he's here just waiting in prison and waiting for his trial. And, and, and what's going to happen? You know, will he live? Will he die? Uh, what an ordeal it's been just these last years. Can you imagine it? Just crisis after crisis. And humanly speaking, just really unfair. The the lies and, and the enemies and, and the injustice. And how discouraging. And, and Paul, do you ever feel like just giving up and throwing it all in? And, and what is God doing here? Well, actually... <laughs> because in the wisdom of god paul's locked up but but he's not silenced and and he's still preaching christ and he's still speaking the gospel and and the whole roman guard are hearing about jesus and and that's what he says i i want you to know brothers that what's happened has has really served and i just i just love that word there really served to advance the gospel (laughs) against all the odds and in the darkest of times Oh, but there were really some dark threads woven into his story, weren't there? It's true. But God's still working. And he says, the gospel is advancing. Oh, that's what sets Paul's heart alight. That the gospel is going out against all the odds. And in spite of the wicked plans of evil men, God prevails. And so I just want to say, this is the kind of God that we know and worship. Oh, and as Paul shares news of his story, there is this encouragement here for us too. What do we say about this? Just this God's plans can't be stopped, <laughs> and his purposes won't ever fail. God can untangle the hardest knots. Isn't that true? Oh, sometimes our life, it looks like such a mess, doesn't it? And you just want to say, what, What's going on, God? <laughs> and, and what are you doing here? Oh, and sometimes the journey of faith takes us down some dark and and rugged and and narrow roads, and it's not easy. Oh, and there's times and seasons where you just can't see what lies ahead and and what's going to happen next. And oh, you might feel frustrated or or discouraged or just tired of waiting, wishing for clarity and wanting answers. and, And will this really work out for good? wow, that's a hard place to be, and, and God knows it, and I think Paul does too. But let me just say this to you. Keep your trust in the Lord. You know, he is good, and you are not forgotten. And, and though we, we can't always see how, how God is going to work or how he's going to bring it all together, but, but just know this, that evil will not have the last word, not in this life and not in the life to come either. What does Paul say right at the beginning in this letter, just a few verses back? He says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will see it to completion. What a good promise. And it's true, God will. And God give us the grace to believe that's true. And so in times of trial, we trust. And here's our next point. In affliction we rejoice. <laughs> you know, there's a surprising blessing that's here in Paul's suffering. Oh, yet yeah, yes, he's preaching Christ, and yes, all the Roman guards are hearing the gospel. Praise God for that. But but even more, you hear some of the Christians in town, people from the Roman church, that they're, they're hearing what's happened with Paul, and, and now they're encouraged to preach Christ too. That's I'm looking there in verse 14, and see with me. He says most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord. I just love that little phrase there. Confident in the Lord. Just that sense, God's in control. Oh, he's ruling. He's working. And what have we got to lose? Come what may, we're going to preach Christ. And so there's the spark that lights the fire. And so the the people are going out and they're preaching and the, the church is built up and they're encouraged. And it's just a wonderful picture, isn't it? Well, except for this, that, not every Christian is preaching Christ from a pure heart. Uh, Paul does say it there in verse 15. Some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. What is that? And he goes on in verse 17. Some preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Who are these people? Who would do that? Oh, we don't know. And, and Paul doesn't actually say He just tells us that they preach Christ. No problem with their message. They're gospel people, apparently. But just this problem with their motives. They're not false teachers. And they do preach Christ truly. And they're doing good ministry, it seems. But with selfish ambition and from a selfish heart. So their hearts are divided. They preach Christ truly, but not sincerely. And so their hearts are at war with their witness and their private thoughts at war with their public words. And so they're double-minded people. And that's a dangerous place to be for a Christian, right? To cultivate some kind of double life or to proclaim the rule of Christ, but, but to let sin reign in your heart oh, and to let your heart harbour bitterness or, or envy or, or jealousy or selfishness. What What is that? Oh, but Christ didn't come for us to live at peace with sin, did he? Because to be at peace with sin is to be at war with God. Christ came for us to be at peace with God and that same gospel that brings us into peace with him also fuels our war and our battle with sin. And so we're, we're meant to watch and guard our hearts. No double life. No double standards. What does that old proverb say? Above all else, guard your heart. But everything you do flows from it. That's a wise word. But look, here's what's so incredible: even as we see these divided hearts and these selfish preachers, what do you see with Paul's heart here? (laughs) Look, he actually doesn't make a big deal about these people, right? He 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 doesn't name them. You know, later in the letter. Uh, in chapter 4, Paul, Paul names names, right? Uh, there's a couple, Euodia and Syntyche, these two women who are serving Christ. He names them because there's, a, there's an issue there. There's a problem there. And he loves them and he cares for them. And he wants to see them uh, healthy and growing in the church. But here, he doesn't even name names. And it's just, why? Surely it stings a bit to be there in prison and to hear word that people are just out to get you. Like, it's one thing to be struck by just crisis after crisis, but here he is taking hits by people who are on the same team, fellow Christians, copying flack from them. What, what is that? He doesn't name them. He sort of mentions them, but he says, in all of that, you know, Christ is being preached. That's good. But wow, what, what would it be like for you? Like, just imagine if, if you're there, and what, what, what are you like when, you, when you're provoked? Or like when there's people who just have it in for you. Like, isn't there something inside that wants to bite back? And, and, and Paul's, an impo- Paul's an apostle and it's like, don't, don't you know I'm an important person? No, none, none of that. But, but with Paul, you just see his heart. Verse 18, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Oh, I find that amazing. Oh, he's already in a tough spot. Uh, but Paul's not a man who gets offended by every slight. Oh, he's, he knows who he is in Christ. He's secure in that. Oh, and he doesn't take himself so seriously just to arc up at anyone who's got it in for him. And wow, God give us a heart like that. Even if we're afflicted by people... <laughs> That we find difficult. Maybe people who are just out to get us. Gee, God give us a heart like that. And just tell me what what can take away Paul's joy? I mean, you, you stick him in prison and he trusts God. And you afflict him with people who are out to get him, and he's rejoicing. Threaten him with death, and his hope is alive. That's an amazing heart. And that's what we want to turn to next. Look at this third point. When facing death. We hope. You know, I remember years ago um, when I was a student back in 2013 and uh, one day my senior pastor comes and says, oh, I I want you to come with me on on a visit. And we've got this guy at church who's got cancer. Uh, He was having treatment. He'd been fighting for a while, probably not long left to live. It was pretty serious by that point. And so... Um, my pastor took me along to, to visit him and when we get there, we're chatting for a little bit and then he opens up the Bible to Philippians chapter 1 just to sit with these words from Paul and, and speak these words to, to a and an old man who's facing death and so he walks through the passage and, and my pastor says to Bob he goes, Bob how are you going right now as, as you face the prospect of death and doesn't miss a beat. Bob just says this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Just that simple. <laughs> and I, I love how Paul puts it here like that. <laughs> uh, where, else, <laughs> where else in scripture do you see our hope put before us just so, so simply and clearly and pain, plainly? Like, <laughs> I love how Paul puts this, even as he as he wrestles with the prospect of death and what that might mean for the ministry and for all of these churches and for all the people that he loves. And what an awful thought that would be to to leave them behind. But just this thought, Paul, how are you going right now? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How can Paul say that? Uh, You know, it's not like he's got nothing left to live for. Like these aren't the words of an old man Who's gone? I've lived a good life. I'm ready to go. And these aren't the words of a man knocking on death's door and just wanting it to be over and and just to be final and done. No, that there's good ministry still to do. You know, he 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 loves his work. He loves his job serving the Lord. He he says that in verse 22 that there's still good work for me here. <laughs> he says fruitful labour. If I stay, you know, my my impact is felt. I've got a significant place with these churches. There's good work to be doing with the Lord Jesus. He says it there as well in verse 25, and I'm convinced I probably will stay. You know, God will deliver me so that I can keep on doing the work he sent for me to do. You know, there's, there's good work here, and yet he's got so much to live for. But even if this is the end, even if his time has come, and even if he does meet death, what then? just gain <laughs> because then i'll meet my savior and that's just paul's point here to die is gain really <laughs> is that true i mean <laughs> just think about that for a moment like think about all the losses that death w- would cost you oh, your family or your friends your, your career w- whatever's most precious to you that, Wow, they're real losses. We aren't a bunch of Stoics just detached from life. But but listen to Paul. He's saying, yeah, you add up all of those losses and then replace all of that with, with life in Christ. And what you've got is gain. That's a strange mathematics. <laughs> Let me ask you, do you believe it? Because look, there are some dark days in this world and We have some hard roads in this journey of faith and god knows it but you and i are called to hitch our hope to a day that's greater than any dark hour you might face or or whatever dark cloud might cover us oh god is so faithful and he is good and you can trust him and so keep your hope in christ he will see you through to the end oh To die is gain. It's true. You know, I love how that old um, pastor used to put it, John Piper used to say it like this. He said, Christ is glorified in you when he's more precious to you than all that life can give or death can take. Do you believe that? Let me say that again. Christ is glorified in you when he's more precious to you than all that life can give or all that death can take. Do you believe that? Look, I want want to finish with this this morning. Uh, You know, I recently just finished this book uh, about this german pastor named dietrich bonhoeffer do you know him (laughs) uh what a life he lived uh living amidst world war ii and watching as his nations just plunged into ruin by the nazis and and meeting in secret with all those other christians until their church was shut down and and what an awful time that was to 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 be a christian and to suffer like that but oh what an awful time in the world and so one day on april the 5th 1943 bonhoeffer makes a a phone call to a friend and he, a strange voice is on the other end of the line, and it's not his friend. Who is it? It was the Gestapo, the, the Nazis. Nah. And they're coming for him. And So he hangs up the phone straight away. And Sure enough, five days later, the police come to his home and they just quietly escort him to a black Mercedes parked there on the driveway and they take him away. And he won't ever come back to his home again. See, uh, Bonhoeffer had been working for a, a German resistance to that Nazi regime. And the group had been making plans to assassinate Hitler, and Bonhoeffer had been using all of his international church connections to to pass on messages you know and information to different countries. And so the secret police had caught word and they'd been on the trail, and they'd closed in on Bonhoeffer and they'd got him arrested. and so there he is, he's locked up in a dark, gloomy prison, and and yet there in that cell, confined and restricted. Let me tell you, Bonhoeffer's inner life only grew larger. Oh, he wrote letters, like Paul. Dozens of them to, to his fiancée, to his friends, his family. Just encouraging them, to, just telling them, stay firm in the faith. Don't give up the fight of faith. There's a war happening. There's a bigger one in your hearts. You've got to keep faith. And you know, even in the, even in the prison that he's in, you know, he, would, he would encourage his fellow prisoners, even the guards... Used to, used to come to, to chat to him for, for counsel and for words of wisdom. You know, one fellow liked him so much he tried to help him escape, but it, he couldn't. And so all the while, is just this looming threat of execution, like death coming nearer. And you see in his writings, he knows his time is coming. He, he knows death is at the doorstep. And yet even in, the, even in these dark days, Bonhoeffer, refuses to despair or give in it just says you know if i've got breath in my lungs and blood in my veins then i'm going to live for christ just to live is christ and to die is gain that simple and didn't he believe it you know isn't it strange how the confines of a prison cell can enlarge a person's soul It certainly did for Bonhoeffer. Oh, his inner life only grew bigger. His faith grew stronger. His love went deeper. I think it was the same for Paul. Why is he writing this letter to a church thousands of kilometers away? Because he loves them and because he just wants to bless them. And he doesn't want to see them lose this hope in Christ. And so, let me finish with this question to you this morning. Look, What is God doing in your life right now? And with everything that's happening, what do you think God is doing right now to enlarge your soul, to grow your faith and deepen your love, and to stir your hope for Christ? Oh, let it be for Christ and nothing else, because to die is gain. Uh, Let me just finish with this. You know Paul's words in Romans 8? Just these sweet words. Let me just say this. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Oh, he will. That's his promise. Just you believe it. So, will you join with me as we pray? Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, uh, we just thank you that you walk with us in those dark roads, in that journey of faith. Lord, thanks that you walk with us even when we go through the valley of the shadow of death, even when we taste and enter death. You are there too, because you've been there. And you've been through the other side. Oh, Lord, thank you that our faith is not in this wise teacher, these profound words we get from a book from thousands of years ago, but from this person, this human being who is living and active and who is right now at the throne of God by his right hand, who is pleading and praying and interceding for us so that we would go all the way in our journey of faith too. God, give us strength to do it. God, grant your spirit to make us willing to go where you would lead and to trust you. We ask it and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.